hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. I hate to say this. But an MD after the name is no assurance that the person to whom you're about to bear your soul and your vagina is an expert when it comes to menopause. I hear every day from women that they went to their doctor with their dry, giny woes, and they were told, buy a loo. Hot flashes? Tough it out. End of story. And while you can educate yourself, in most cases, you're going to need someone to write the prescription and do an exam. It's probably the most common question I get. How do I find an expert when it comes to menopause? And how come my doctor doesn't know anything about this stuff? If a gynecologist isn't an expert in this area, who is? So in this episode, I'm going to give you specific tips to finding a menopause expert. But let me start by explaining why most gynecologists, even really good gynecologists from great medical schools and great training programs are not experts when it comes to menopause. Menopause is not a subspecialty like fertility or gynecologic oncology. That means there's no specific training program after residency. Rather, it's an area of interest. In every field, many doctors have specific areas of interest. A neurologist may be the world's expert on seizure disorders, but not know a lot about stroke. A dermatologist may be a psoriasis guru, but have little experience, expertise, or interest in hair loss. And your OBGYN may have an incredible expertise about twin pregnancies and preterm labor, but treats women with vaginal atrophy only a few times a year. And one of the reasons that few gynees have expertise or interest in menopause is that during medical school and residency, there's zero exposure. Medical students at best get one lecture. And I know because I give that lecture, I get 20 minutes. And while all OBGYNs complete a four-year residency, menopause is generally not part of their training. I run one of the few academic menopause centers in the country, and I've yet to have a resident spend time in our clinic. It's not that they don't want to. Many have expressed an interest, but their required time in labor and delivery, surgery, fertility, high-risk OB, etc., leaves no time for learning about menopause. And then once they do get into practice, the majority of the patients they see are pregnant, wanting to get pregnant, or wanting to not get pregnant. For the typical OBGYN, the first time they see patients going through menopause is 20 years into their practice when the moms they delivered are now trading in their birth control pills for hormone therapy pills. So how does someone become a menopause expert? My story is pretty typical. I graduated from my residency program and joined the general practice where I delivered over a thousand babies and routinely treated menstrual cramps, irregular periods, sexually transmitted infections, and vaginitis. I also did a lot of surgery. In fact, after about 15 years of doing general OBGYN, I stopped delivering babies and limited my practice to gynecology with an interest in minimally invasive surgery, hysterectomy, and alternatives to hysterectomy. And that's when I wrote my first book, The Essential Guide to Hysterectomy, which is a guide for women who've been advised to have surgery. During that time, I was one of the busiest gynecologic surgeons in Chicago. 
And because I was doing so many hysterectomies and ovary removals, I saw a lot of menopausal women. So while I knew more than most gynecologists about hormone therapy, and I thought I knew a lot about menopause, in retrospect, I really wasn't a menopause expert. It was only when I started writing my Sex Rx book that I realized I had a lot to learn. So I did. I went to a ton of conferences. I exhaustively read journal articles, and I became active in the North American Menopause Society, where I hung out with other menopause experts. Soon, I was one of the go-to experts that was asked to lecture at medical conferences, review articles in scientific journals, and participate in research. By the time I was asked to start the Menopause Center at Northwestern, I was ready to give up my general practice and devote all my time to menopause. Having said that, while I have devoted my clinical practice almost exclusively to menopause and sexual medicine for the last five years, you don't need to find someone who only does menopause to find someone who knows a lot about menopause. But you're going to have to do some legwork to find a clinician who's a real expert when it comes to hot flashes, hormones, and other consequences of low or no estrogen. Now, your own gynecologist may be an expert, but you may not know it. So before you cross the person who delivered your babies off the list, it's worth having a conversation to see if that person has an interest and expertise. But if your own gynecologist is clearly kind of clueless when it comes to menopause, it's time to branch out. But it's confusing. A menopause expert might be a gynecologist or an internist or a family practice doctor. It's also possible that the best person to help you with your issue may not be a doctor, but rather an advanced practice clinician. The title is less important than that person's training, but it does help to know what all those titles mean. So I'm going to walk you through it, starting with doctor. A doctor is anyone who has a doctorate level degree. Anyone with doctor in front of his or her name might be a physician, but might also be a dentist, a podiatrist, a psychologist, or an English professor. If you're looking for a physician, look for an MD. MD stands for medical doctor. Anyone who's graduated from medical school is allowed to put MD after their name forever. DO stands for doctor of osteopathy. An osteopath's training is essentially identical to an MD's and should be considered to be equivalent. Sometimes, as I mentioned, a non-physician is more qualified than a physician. I'm a huge advocate of advanced practice nurses. Some are nurse practitioners and some have other advanced nursing degrees. And also physician's assistants. APN stands for advanced practice nurse. To be an APN, a registered nurse must complete a master's program and then clinical rotations in a variety of specialties. PA, on the other hand, stands for physician's assistant. A PA must complete an undergraduate degree followed by three years of graduate PA school that includes high-level classroom work and hands-on clinical skills. An advanced practice nurse or physician's assistant is likely to spend more time with you than most physicians. I know this firsthand because I utilize invaluable advanced practice nurses and physician assistants in the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. So back to physicians. In order for someone to practice medicine, they need a license. Each state has its own criteria for granting licenses, but in general, licensure to practice medicine requires only proof of graduation from medical school, at least a year of clinical training, and passing a qualifying exam. Licensure is not the same thing as board certification and does not guarantee expertise in a specific field. It basically guarantees that someone is actually a doctor and hasn't committed any felonies. 
To verify that a physician is licensed, go to the Federation of State Medical Board's website, fsmb.org. Board certification, on the other hand, is the gold standard that assures you that a physician is an expert in a specialty or a subspecialty. The American Board of Medical Specialties, ABMS, is the medical organization that oversees physician certification by developing specific standards for the evaluation and certification of physician specialists. To be board certified, a doctor must complete a residency in his or her specialty that has been recognized by ABMS, followed by written and oral examinations. If a doctor wants to subspecialize, he or she must then complete fellowship training after finishing residency. For example, a board-certified fertility specialist went to four years of medical school, then completed a four-year residency in obstetrics and gynecology, followed by a three-year fellowship in the subspecialty of reproductive endocrinology and infertility. If that wasn't enough, a specialist or a subspecialist must maintain board certification by taking continuing medical education courses and passing tests to prove that he or she has kept up to date. The criteria in each field is specific to the specialty. Some, but not all board certified doctors designate their certification as part of their title. For example, a board certified gynecologist with the letters F-A-C-O-G after his or her name is a fellow in the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. I'm a fellow in the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, but I rarely put F-A-C-O-G after my name. So the only way that I or any other doctor is board for certified is to go to the ABMS website. All these websites are in the program notes. By the way, anti-aging is not is not a specialty recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties. Certification in anti-aging does not require a residency. All that is required for certification from the American Board of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine is to complete an online self-learning course, pass an examination, and submit six, six patient charts for review by their board. According to their website, only 5% of physicians that have completed this course are gynecologists, which means that 95% of physicians that practice anti-aging are not experts when it comes to gynecologic exams or treatment of gynecologic issues. It also explains why so many anti-aging practitioners prescribe hormones without ever having their patients take off their clothes. When I see doctors that advertise that they are double-boarded or triple-boarded, it sounds really impressive. But more often than not, that person at best did one residency and then did some additional coursework that awarded a board certification, a board certification that is not recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties or any academic institutions. What's also scary is that in the compounded hormone world, some doctors who are legitimately boarded did their training in specialties that have nothing to do with gynecology, with women, or with vaginas. This is particularly rampant in doctors who prescribe compounded hormone therapy. There's a long list of doctors who limit their practice to prescribing compounded hormone therapy who are board certified, but not in gynecology, not in endocrinology, but inexplicably in emergency medicine. 
And I have spent enough time in emergency rooms to tell you that even women with the worst cases of hot flashes and the worst cases of vaginal dryness do not go to the emergency department. So it is a mystery to me how these doctors are such experts. So before you decide to trust a doctor who claims to be an expert in hormone therapy and brags on their website about multiple board certifications, it's worth a minute of your time to go to the abms.org page and see exactly what that person is boarded in. The link is in the program notes. All the details are in episode 35, Compounding Hormones, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So once you determine that someone is licensed and boarded, What's the next thing to check? Well, it's generally a good sign if a physician has an academic appointment at a medical school. Faculty ranks such as instructor, assistant professor, associate professor, and professor depend on that physician's level of involvement in teaching medical students, their research, and the number and stature of their publications. I'm a full professor, and it took me years to get there. If a doctor has no university affiliation, does this mean he or she isn't an expert? No. Many physicians who have no university affiliation are excellent doctors who keep up with advancements in their fields and give very good care, but many are not, and you have no way of knowing. And let's face it, if you need a brain surgery, would you go to the brain surgeon who's board certified, teaches at a medical school, and is current with the field, or would you knowingly, knowingly pick the brain surgeon who finished a residency but failed her boards, took off five years to be an artist, and then returned and has privileges at a hospital that was in such desperate need of a brain surgeon that it didn't require board certification. Being on staff at some hospitals is no guarantee of anything other than licensure, but you wouldn't know it unless you checked that person out. But vaginal dryness and hot flashes aren't brain surgery. What you need is someone who has an interest in menopause and a knowledge base. Sometimes this expert is a physician, sometimes an internist, sometimes a gynecologist, and sometimes a family practice doctor, sometimes a physician's assistant, and sometimes a nurse practitioner. So how do you know where a clinician's areas of interest lie? Well, most hospitals have a physician referral service and will help you find a doctor who's interested and knowledgeable about your condition. If the hospital you've chosen is well known as a leader in women's health, then that hospital's referral service is sometimes a great way to find the right doctor. Keep in mind that the people who work in hospital referrals are obligated to make referrals to all the physicians on staff. So if you just call up and say, hi, I have a dry vagina, which OBGYN is good, you'll most likely be given the name of whoever's next on the list. You need to ask specific questions that would lead you to the doctor who's most appropriate for you. For example, instead of saying, I need a gynecologist because sex hurts like hell, you might try, I'm looking for a board certified gynecologist who's been in practice for at least five years. I would prefer a woman and would like someone who takes care of a lot of menopausal problems and has identified herself as having an interest or expertise in sexual issues. You can get a lot of information from physician referral and it's well worth your time to tell the service exactly what's important to you and the doctor. The referral service will also be able to answer questions about office location and accepted insurance. Frequently, a referral service will even help you get an appointment, even if you can't get one just by calling yourself. Many hospitals also have a physician finder section on their website where you can type in a condition to find the physicians who list it as an area of expertise. 
Hospital referral services are not the same as commercial referral agencies that operate independently of hospitals. Take it from me. Referral agencies that advertise in magazines or on TV are not a great source. Participating physicians pay to be part of the service and tell the service what to say. As with any paid advertisement, healthy skepticism is appropriate. And while there are exceptions, in general, most menopause experts are no longer delivering babies. So if you show up and everyone in the waiting room looks like they're about to go into labor any minute, it's generally not a good sign. Now, one of the more common ways to find a doctor is to search online using a consumer list such as Yelp. In our digitally driven society, this seems reasonable. After all, when someone who's already been to that doctor be the best judge of how approachable or knowledgeable he or she is? Actually, no. While it's reasonable to use help to see if people liked a certain nail salon, it's probably not the best strategy to find a menopause expert. Keep in mind that consumer referral lists are no better than asking a random stranger on the street what they think. Typically, there are no more than a handful of reviewers who are rating the doctors. The typical doctor sees thousands of patients a year, and the experience of two or three people is hardly reflective of a typical experience. People who have a bad experience are more likely to fill out a review than people who had a good experience. You have no idea who's writing these reviews or what their agenda is. A glowing review might be from the wife or mother of the doctor. A scathing review may be from a disgruntled patient or employee or from the wife or mother of the competing doctor in town. It's also become common for online profile management companies to post positive reviews for businesses and products, of course, for a fee. Even if reviewers' comments accurately reflect their experience, their comments are usually more about how they were treated at the office than about the skills of the doctor. More than one five-star comment has been posted because the doctor was really friendly or had a great staff or maybe offered free estrogen samples. A one-star review may be because they were kept waiting or had a run-in with the receptionist. And then there's the savvy friend that friend, the one you can always rely on to tell you who has the best cappuccino, the freshest sushi, and where to get a decent massage. And no doubt, she had the best doctor who helped her when she was flashing all night and had a vagina like a Venus flytrap. And she may be right, or she may be wrong. So sure, hear what she has to say, and then do your own due diligence. It also helps if that friend is a medical professional who has some inside information on who's who. I always say the best way to find a good surgeon is to talk to an anesthesiologist or an operating room nurse. While professional societies such as the American Medical Association or the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists are potential sources of referrals, to find a menopause expert, your best bet is to head to the North American Menopause Society otherwise known as NAMS, N-A-M-S. The website is menopause.org. The North American Menopause Society is a nonprofit scientific organization, and their mission is to promote the health and quality of life of all women through midlife and beyond through an understanding of menopause and healthy aging. If someone is a certified menopause practitioner of the North American Menopause Society, it means they took a written exam, and I'm just saying a really hard exam, about menopause, hormone therapy, and midlife health. In order to keep up and maintain that certification, the clinician needs to take a certain number of continuing medical education courses every single year. Physicians 
advanced practice nurses and physician's assistants are eligible to take the NAMS test and be designated as a NAMS certified menopause practitioner. You can pretty much be guaranteed that a NAMS certified practitioner has not only the interest, but also the expertise to evaluate and treat any of your menopausal issues, including the sexual ones. To find a certified menopause practitioner, go to menopause.org. Put in your zip code and then check off that you want someone with the NCMP certification. If they don't have the NCMP designation, it simply means that they joined NAMS and paid their dues. They didn't take the test. They didn't take the courses. It designates an interest in menopause, but not necessarily expertise. So moving on, what if your doctor doesn't have a vagina? Every so often, a new patient will say to me, I've had the same OBGYN for 20 years and I love him, but he's a man. So of course, there's no way I would talk to him about this. I want a woman doctor who will understand. As a physician, I can tell you that I don't need to personally experience vaginal atrophy to help my patient with vaginal atrophy any more than I need to experience a urinary tract infection to know how to treat it. The gender of your clinician really doesn't matter really. Obviously, if you're totally uncomfortable being examined by a man or talking to a man about intimate issues, well, then you're going to be better off with the woman doctor. And if you feel somewhat guilty discriminating in this way, consider the number of men who go to women urologists. Exactly. On the other hand, it would be foolish to go with the less qualified doctor based solely on gender. So keep an open mind. Many women go to a woman gynecologist because they subconsciously or even consciously think that talking to a female gynecologist will be like talking to a girlfriend. And while it's generally easier to talk to a girlfriend about menopause issues than to your doctor, you're not looking for a new friend. You have plenty of people to invite to parties, have lunch with, and commiserate over a martini or two about your all-day, all-night hot flashes. When choosing your gynecologist, you're looking for someone who has the skills you need and whose judgment you trust. Your doctor need not be your friend, but she or he does need to be someone who will talk to you, listen to you, and help you. Sometimes that person is a woman, and sometimes it's a man. So now that you've picked the doctor and scored an appointment, here's a few tips to get the most out of that appointment. When you schedule the appointment, be specific about what the appointment is for. If you need an annual exam, then say, I'm coming in for an annual exam, but I also want to discuss hot flashes. It will then be noted as the reason for your visit, making it more likely that your clinician will bring up the issue and hopefully leave some extra time. Some women find it easier to mention their concerns to the assistant who brings them into the examination room. The assistant hopefully lets the clinician know what you want to discuss, which makes it more likely that he or she will initiate the conversation. My number one piece of advice though is do not, do not schedule a menopause consultation at the same time as your annual exam. I mean, I get it. Most women understandably try to discuss menopause at the time of their annual visit, especially if their insurance only covers well women visits and not problem visits. But face it, you are having a problem. You deserve and need more time. Most doctors allot 15 minutes for an annual exam, which really leaves no time for anything but the basics. I get it. You've taken time off from work, parked and paid your copay. An additional visit is not only inconvenient, 
but also expensive. But there simply isn't time to adequately address complex gynecologic issues at the time of your annual exam, and that conversation can't and shouldn't be quickly tagged onto your routine visit. When some women get brushed off when they bring up their menopause questions, yeah, it might be that the doctor isn't an expert, but it might be that he or she has 20 people in the waiting room and is already running an hour behind. A menopause consultation takes at least 15 minutes, and that's if you already know a lot and your issues are pretty straightforward. It's not unusual for me to take up to an hour for a complete menopause consultation. I promise your doctor is going to take a lot more time to discuss your menopausal issues and offer solutions if that is specifically why you've made an appointment and the only reason for the appointment. All right. So I've told you a lot now and you've done your homework, but you simply may not have access to a menopause expert. You may live in a small town or your insurance might keep you locked into a particular group of physicians. And while good health is our right, and I believe every man and woman should have access to a doctor who can help them, sometimes the care you need is not available within the limitations of your health care plan. If you really feel that you can't discuss your issues with your current doctor, or if your doctor seems completely clueless or just dismissive, bite the bullet and spend the money to see someone who can help you, even if that person is not covered by your insurance plan. Keep in mind, it's likely that you're only gonna need one or two consultations, and you don't need to end your relationship with your regular gynecologist who you can continue to see for your routine annual visits. A few other things to be aware of, starting with menopause coaches. Menopause coaches are self-proclaimed experts with no degree and no expertise. They're frequently women who had a difficult menopause themselves, figured it out, and now are doling out advice to others. They have blogs, podcasts, huge social media followings, and a lot of confidence, but that's about it. Online telehealth services popping up everywhere, and they are happy to prescribe hormones and other prescription products without requiring an exam or an actual visit to a doctor. They get an A for convenience, and while they usually limit their menu to two or three products, that approach might be okay for hot flash relief. But if you're having a vaginal issue or painful sex, you need to have an exam. And if you want to know why, take a listen to episode 27, Using Vaginal Estrogen, But Sex Still Hurts Like Hell. If all else fails and you don't have the option of seeing another practitioner, you need to be your own advocate and learn as much as possible about menopause and what treatment you think will help you. I know I'm essentially telling you to be your own doctor, but honestly, that's why I started writing books, writing articles, and doing these podcasts. It's also why I'm about to start offering menopause masterclasses. I've always made it my mantra that women are smart and if given good information, they can advocate for themselves. If you think you need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, ask your doctor for a referral. If you need a prescription for a local vaginal estrogen, just ask for the one you want. Most likely, your doctor will just give you the referral and the prescription, no questions asked. Finally, and most important, if you're not given solutions for your dryness, pain, insomnia, hot flashes, it doesn't mean there are no solutions. It just means you need to see someone else. Take it from me, Lauren Stryker, MD, FACOG, NCMP, Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University. There are many menopause experts out there and you just need to find one. 
I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Bye.